0: Sawadee
1: Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program and on Wednesdays we do guided meditation together. I'm doing breathing mindfulness meditation today where I'll be guiding you in a session to help you build up your practice. And then after our meditation session, I'll open up to any and all questions that you guys have. Whether you're in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, you can ask questions by putting those into the comment section, or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow up questions directly. You might be interested in talking about meditation or any other aspect of the path to enlightenment, so you're always welcome to ask any and all questions throughout all of our courses all of our classes, all of our retreats, but here on Wednesdays, I just do meditation with you guys, guiding you and helping you to develop your practice, and then open up to any and all questions that you might have related to the path to enlightenment. On Sundays, I go chapter by chapter in this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment, This Sunday, we're gonna be in chapter 15, which is titled True Love, Love Without Attachment. This is where you're gonna learn how to really improve your relationships through understanding what true love is so that you can practice it. And therefore, by you practicing true love, you'll experience more and more love coming to you. And then you'll also experience the ability to identify true love. When somebody's practicing true love with you, you'll be able to identify it and then be able to experience fulfilling and satisfying relationships. So if you'd like to join for the meditation today, you're welcome to do that. And if you'd like to ask questions after the meditation, you're more than welcome to do that. There's four positions for breathing mindfulness meditation. It's seated, lying, standing, and walking. Oftentimes people are learning in the seated position. So if you're sitting on the floor or in a chair, these are all very helpful for the seated position of meditation. If you're on the floor, you might put some cushions under your rear and lightly cross your legs. This keeps the circulation flowing in the lower body, getting the hips up in the air so it lessens the angle at the hips, the knees, and the ankles. And then if you're in a chair, you might just lightly cross your ankles or maybe even just have your feet flat on the floor. It's really whatever's comfortable for you. There's not just one fixed body position that everybody needs to take because everybody's body is a little bit different. One person's gonna find something more comfortable than someone else, so you find what's comfortable for you so that the lower body is comfortable. Not painful, but not luxurious. In the middle where it's nice and comfortable. The hands and the arms, The Buddha put his right hand over his left with his thumbs together and he put that into his lap. You could use that if it works for you. But again, it's not about everybody doing it exactly the same way. Some people like to put their palms on their thighs or their knees or even their palms up. So as long as your lower body and your hands and arms are comfortable, not painful and not luxurious, you'll be able to meditate in that position. The upper body should be erect. This keeps the mind attentive and alert. Whereas if you were slouched, the mind would have a tendency to be dull or lethargic or complacent. But if you were real rigid, the mind could have a tendency to be overactive or uptight. So by having the upper body erect, this keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. I'm going to ease us into meditation with some chanting. and If you know these chants, you're welcome to chant along. There is no rites, rituals, ceremonies, or worship as part of the teachings of the Buddha. This isn't a prayer or anything like that. For me, the reason why I do chanting is to ease the mind into meditation, helping the mind to be more invigorated, getting awareness of the mind and awareness of the breath so that you can actually get more benefit out of the meditation itself. Where during the lifetime of the Buddha, they use chanting as a way to remember the teachings and commit them to memory so they could actually practice them. So the Buddha never taught any auspicious or superstitious things related to chanting or any other aspect of his teachings. So you're welcome to chant along if you'd like or you might just decide to close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose because after I do the chanting I'm going to provide some guidance and then there'll be a period of time where it'll just be quiet and we'll be meditating together then we'll come out of the meditation with some more chanting before I open up to any questions that you guys might have. So if you'd like to make yourself comfortable in joining the chanting or either just close your eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose.
2: Ara hāng sammāsaṁ mūto Sāvakāto to Dāmāng namasāmi Sūpatīpāno mong sa wa ka sa ng ko sa ng khang mi na sa bha ka wa to a Nap more, Hassa Pacuato Ara to some massa put
3: us
2: Sampu tasan, ini pisau emak wan, arah ang samasan moto, wicacarang Sekarang rokawi tu anu teropori sa damasati satwa-tawa manusia pun
1: Okay, with the lower body and hands and arms comfortable and the upper body erect, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Here, you're just looking to establish the breath, a nice, natural, steady, consistent breath, not forced or controlled. Just a gradual inhale through the nose, experiencing the full breath. And then whenever you're ready, exhale out through the nose, breathing in and out, breathing in and out. Your breath may not match up with the guidance that I'm providing, and that's okay. This is your practice. I'm just here for guidance. You can use this voice as a reminder that whenever you get to the next inhale, breathing gradually through the nose, Establishing a nice, natural, steady, consistent breath. And then, whenever you're ready, exhale out through the nose, experiencing the full breath. Breathing in. And out. Breathing in and out. Once the breath is well established, start fixating the mind on the breath. Either the sound of the breath coming into the nose. Or the sensation of air moving over the skin into the nose. The breath is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in, and out. Breathing in and out. With the mind fixated on the breath, Whenever you notice that it moves off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. No need to observe the thought, label it, judge it, analyze it, or even try to figure out where it's coming from. Whenever you notice that the mind is moved off the breath, cut that off, Let it go and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. And out. Breathing in. And out. I'm going to be quiet now and let you do this work of focusing on the breath. Cutting off and letting go anytime the mind moves off the breath. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in. And out.
2: hara uh, Nap more has a packel Sama masa putasa E.T. P. Sue and Maha Kawah. Ara handsome
1: masa
2: moho. Saka to Roka we to damasati sata
1: If you guys would like to slowly make your way out of meditation. As I mentioned, I'm going to open up to questions. Anything that you guys would like to discuss regarding meditation, the path to enlightenment, the teachings of the Buddha, anything that you're seeing in terms of the teachings, whether it's reading in a book or something on the internet, some movie or video that you might have seen, or if you're having any kind of personal challenges with the path and you're finding any certain struggles, you're welcome to ask any and all questions. If you're in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, you can put those in the comment section, or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. I see Tonka's raised her hand. If you'd like to go ahead and ask your question Tonka, you're welcome to.
3: I was wondering uh, about one of my cravings that I'm working with uh, uh, lately. Like, I have that kind of obsession when I'm leaving home, I have to come back and make sure that my stove is turned off or any other appliances that uh, I could have used uh, in the last few hours. And also, the other day, I was leaving for work and um, because I park in the garage now and there is a garage opener and I left and I'm all already on my way. And then a thought came, oh my goodness, did I close the garage door? Maybe I didn't, you know, uh, I better go back and check. And actually I turned around and came back to, to check if the garage door was closed and I'm like, this is craving, this is some kind of really Mm -hmm. and then i decided before i leave home like to take uh, a moment and be really mindful and take a look like a snapshot okay stove is turned off and i really pay attention because when i'm leaving i do it so fast uh, that i don't even register in my mind i guess so i can't remember if i did it or not and actually it happened a few times that I would leave something, uh, uh, on, or so that's why I don't trust my mind. So I came up uh, with the idea that it's the best for me to slow down and really take, take a look like a snapshot. Okay. Garage door is closed. Stove is off. And then, um, I, I found that, uh, uh, that that uh, calms down the mind. So I was wondering if you have any other tips uh, how to deal with uh, this craving.
1: Yeah, sure. I can help you, Tonka. So of course, anytime we talk about eliminating cravings, desires, attachments, it's important to just be sure that an individual has breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity well underway, which I know you do. Those are two practices that are generalized training that you're doing on a consistent ongoing basis of two to three sessions per day, building up to 30 minutes or more over a period of six months, a year, two years, building up to your meditation practice, and then developing a really well-developed generosity during each individual day, an individual should be looking for ways to practice generosity with our time, effort, energy, and resources, sharing more than is strictly required without any expectation of anything in return. So once all that's on board, then going back to what we taught in chapter 13, where you're identifying your craving. So you see some discontentedness and you've identified your craving that, yes, I'm having this craving to long and yearn for this almost an obsession it sounds like to ensure that things are closed off before you leave the house and then kind of circling back and worrying about whether or not those are done or not. So what you would like to do is two things is one you were already kind of talking about it a bit which is practice right concentration you're describing it as right mindfulness, which is awareness of mind. But really, what you're looking to practice is right concentration, where you can be focused, having clarity of mind, deep memory. You can do what you're saying before you leave is like, yep, stove's off, this is done, lights off, okay, let's go. And just know intellectually, yes, I've done that. That's right concentration. So now that you know that you've done that, now when you walk out the door, if you feel your mind like, oh, did I really do this? Did I really do that? And it wants to go back and check. You're going to need to restrain the mind and say, nope, 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 nope. I'm leaving. I'm gone. Don't allow the mind to go back and check and back and check and back and check. So what's happening is your mind is clinging to those experiences where you have left the stove on or you did those types of things in the past and you were really shaken up by it because your mind experienced, oh my goodness, I left this on or whatever it was. I don't know exactly, but it sounds like it happened in the past. So just like we say the mind craves permanence, the mind also is clinging, right? It's clinging and holding on. It's thinking that, okay, because this situation happened where I left the stove on once, that's going to happen every single time. So you need to break that clinging. You need to break the mind free of no longer holding on. So When you feel that you're out of the house because you've already done your check and you're out of the house, if you feel your mind wanting to go back, that's where you've got to restrain it. Almost like you're riding a horse, if you've ever ridden a horse and you pull the reins back on a horse, you need to do that with your mind. Just pull the mind back. Even if you've turned around and you've taken two or three steps back towards the house, You just nope 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 i'm not going to do that i'm leaving today i'm leaving and you just leave and this is what breaks that and it takes probably multiple times for you to do that before the mind finally lets go of that clinging so these are all the things that you would like to do in that situation is practice breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity which will generally train the mind to let go then use right concentration to ensure that everything's turned off before you leave and just do that, you know, mentally, or if you need to visually check, do that. And then when you leave, if you feel the mind going back, restrain it and not allow it to go back.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, that's, um, uh, I guess, it takes some time and and do it so many times in order to to actually uproot that one. And also, I I have, um, uh, like, I have uh, a goal to be, I don't know if it's craving, but, uh, looks like it is, to be productive in a day. For example, if I have a day off, then I find myself like, uh, okay, you uh, like, it's uh, pushing myself to, to do so many things. So with that one, I uh, I started writing down like uh, this is in the morning i kind of go uh, think about what, what should be done and i write it down and that seems to help so anytime i accomplish something check mark this is done this is done and i feel a satisfaction at the end of the day okay my day was productive so uh just wondering where is the healthy uh, uh middle way uh, I find writing uh, writing helpful because I really dislike uh, you know, wastefulness in any way, of uh, of uh, time, of money, of resources, of anything. and uh, maybe there is a little bit of craving for to, not to be wasteful of mm. of time or or anything. So I'm doing this writing down, but uh, maybe, maybe I should relax a little bit about that
1: as well. Yeah, there's no harm in being organized and writing down a list of things you would like to accomplish in a day. But just be sure that you don't cling to that list, that you realize that even though you write down the list, there's some days where you're going to get all those things done. And there's other days where you're only going to get maybe one or two or three of them done. You're not going to get your whole list done every day. So if you're writing a list out in the morning, say, 10 things and you don't get all 10 things done, if your mind's clinging, you'll feel guilty or shameful or frustrated or you'll feel disappointed. This is all discontentedness because the mind's clinging to this list. So there's no harm in having an idea of the general things that you're interested in trying to accomplish, but just don't cling to it because there's some days where you'll get your whole list done and there'll be other days where you won't. And as you're going throughout your day, it's Helpful to keep that in mind, that there may be some things that you're able to accomplish and there may be something else that comes up that is completely off your list that you decide to do that instead. And then also, I would encourage you to find some time, if you're not already, to relax and just sit and do nothing. Because when I lived in the West, I was in that go, 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 go mentality I don't know if you've heard of the term like nose to the grindstone kind of thing. That's kind of like what the West teaches. So when I came to Thailand, I needed to teach myself how to relax. I didn't know how to relax. I didn't know how to just sit on the sofa and do nothing and just sit with my own thoughts and reflect or just lay on the sofa and just rest and just sit there for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours and just do nothing i saw that as being unproductive before because i was always taught to go 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 and i had my own businesses and i had all these employees and even before that i was in i.t with a lot of employees and before that i was in college so it was go 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 all the time so i had to train my mind to start seeing rest and relaxation as productive that by me resting for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours, that this was gonna make the rest of my day or the rest of my week that much more productive. So I would encourage you on occasion to introduce some rest and relaxation where you're not doing anything at all, and that can be viewed as positive, as beneficial, and as productive.
3: Okay, thank you very much.
1: Okay, you're welcome, Tonga. pleased to help you. Looks like we have a question from Jean in Facebook. I'll just read it out here. It says Hi, David. Thanks for doing this meditation every Wednesday. I feel more grounded and my mind is more clear after doing the meditations. My question for today is I have a friend who is feeling very hurt and disappointed due to a lying partner. What kind of meditation, breathing, mindfulness, loving kindness, should she focus on so that she can feel better? and what is the best way for her to do it. So these kinds of situations that are occurring, this is all because of craving, desire, attachment. Whenever the mind is experiencing any discontentedness, it's always because of the same exact thing. Craving, desire, attachment, wants, expectations, longing, yearning. While it's unwise for an individual to lie to a partner, it's the mind craving and longing and yearning wanting things to be a specific way that causes the painful feelings. So there's a decision of, is it wise to be with a partner that is lying? And that's for each individual person to decide. The Buddha taught that if somebody is willing to tell a deliberate lie, that there's no evil that that person is unwilling to do. And he shared that it would be wise to select wholesome companions, wholesome friends, wholesome comrades to be around. Or I usually just say friends and associates rather than using like companions and comrades, which is kind of an older language. So it's wise to have friends and associates that are telling the truth because you don't have to constantly be figuring out if they're telling the truth. You can trust them you can know that they're telling the truth so there's that whole question that your friend needs to decide about the relationship of whether it makes sense to go forward with a partner who's lying because having somebody on your team that is you know lying like that it can cause a lot of havoc and unwholesome results in your life but that is separate from why the mind is experiencing discontentedness the mind isn't experiencing discontentedness because of the lie the mind is experiencing discontentedness because of the craving, desire, attachment for truthfulness. And that's separate from whether it's wise or unwise to tell the truth or not, because obviously it's wise to tell the truth and it's wise to select friends and companions and business partners and people to be around you that are telling the truth. In terms of eliminating a craving, desire, attachment, it's the same things for everybody that there needs to be a well-developed practice of Breathing mindfulness meditation, there needs to be a well-developed practice of generosity. This is what trains the mind to let go. And then an individual needs to be able to restrain the mind. There's an entire eightfold path, which is the core central teaching that's going to guide an individual of how to eliminate all cravings, desires, attachments. So in a situation like this, where somebody has maybe never really studied the teachings of the Buddha. They don't really have a practice well-developed and now their mind is experiencing that discontentedness. This is where the mind kind of regrets having not actually learned and practiced the teachings because now the mind is in a situation where it's experiencing discontentedness and there isn't a well-developed practice. So while an individual can do breathing mindfulness meditation, they can do practice of generosity they can learn the eightfold path and all these things there's nothing in the teachings of the buddha that's kind of like a magic pill that's going to immediately transform her mind and get her experiencing peace and joy now that this thing has occurred but breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity is what will eliminate cravings desires attachments but that takes time to gradually wear it away And if your friend is experiencing any anger or hatred or frustration or agitation towards her partner, that's where loving kindness meditation comes in to eliminate that from the mind. But again, it's a gradual training, a gradual practice and gradual progress that an individual can't kind of go many years without practicing the teachings. And then one of these situations happen and then kind of do a little bit of meditation and then they're immediately going to experience any kind of results. Instead, an individual should decide that they would like to build up their practice gradually and consistently over a long-term period. And then when these kinds of situations happen, the mind is better prepared to let it go or even not experience discontentedness at all because there's been all this proactive training. So these are some of the things that you could talk to your friend about. I would encourage everybody and anybody in the world to learn and practice the entire path that oftentimes it's in difficult situations like this that someone might turn to teachings like this and kind of look for a quick fix where in reality it would be better to be more proactive and even when things are going well in one's life to be practicing these teachings so that you can get more and more peacefulness and more and more joy in one's life because as long as an individual is only meditating or only doing like spot treatments with meditation, they're not ever gonna be able to get to the peace and the joy. There needs to be meditation on a consistent, ongoing basis, but there's all these other teachings and all this other wisdom that an individual needs to develop in order to get to the point where the mind's just always peaceful and always joyful. And that takes a certain amount of determination, dedication and diligence, certain amount of effort and energy applied. What I often share with people is if there were these two buttons to press, if there was this one button that you could press and you'll stay angry and frustrated the rest of your life, or there's this other button you can press where you could be peaceful and joyful for the rest of your life, which button would you press? And of course, I've always had everybody say, well, I press the peaceful and joyful button, right? Well, unfortunately, it's not a button to press. It's a consistent, ongoing training. And an individual needs to decide that, you know, I'm done with this anger, I'm done with the frustration, I'm done with the guilt and the shame and the boredom and the loneliness and the fears and the jealousy and resentment, the disappointment. You know, even the slightest ickiness is eliminated from the enlightened mind. You don't even feel slightly icky ever. You're always in a good mood all the time. And that takes Yes, meditation, but there's a lot of wisdom that an individual needs to cultivate in order to make wise decisions in their life so that these types of situations are not occurring. And as they are occurring, then an individual is able to more readily deal with it based on the wisdom that they've cultivated and the training of the mind that they have. So that's some information to be able to help you and and you help your friend. You can suggest to them to download this book. There's videos on our YouTube channel that you could send them. If you send them the teachings on the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, that's a great way for them to learn. Like the little mini lessons from our YouTube channel, we have a playlist there that they could easily use that to learn with. All right, thank you guys for your questions. Looks like we have some questions coming in here on youtube we have one from amy it says hello thank you very much for the work you do allow me to ask a question what would you advise for handling strong emotions what you would like to be able to do on the path to enlightenment is eliminate the strong emotions that's what the ultimate goal is that's kind of what i was just talking about a little bit with jean for her friend so by the time an individual gets to enlightenment you're eliminating those emotions a hundred percent that you no longer experience the anger sadness frustration irritation annoyance guilt shame fear boredom loneliness shyness resentment jealousy even the slightest displeasure is eliminated from the enlightened mind but in the meantime as one's working towards enlightenment there's a whole path for you to learn and practice with meditation with generosity with other teachings as well, this is going to train the mind to reduce the causes and conditions that are causing these discontent feelings, namely craving, desire, attachment, the wants, the expectations. As long as that's in there, the mind's going to experience some amount of discontentedness. But when you can train your mind through the entire path to enlightenment, you can uproot the conditions that are causing these discontent feelings to arise. As somebody is doing the proactive training through the Eightfold Path, then also through the Eightfold Path, the Buddha teaches you what to do in the moment as these strong emotions or these strong feelings are arising, is you cut them off and cut them off and cut them off. And when you're training the mind in meditation and generosity on a consistent, ongoing basis, you'll be more readily able to do that, is cut them off and let them go. Early on, you may need to even redirect the mind, like take it in another direction. So like one of the things you can understand, Amy and you as well, Gene, for your friend, is learning to redirect the mind. That if something's happening, is like take it in a different direction. So like using Gene's example of a life partner who has lied to you. When this news first comes to you, the first thing you'd like to do is like redirect the mind. Go for a walk, go for a bike ride, go get a glass of water, go do something else. This will redirect the mind in a different direction so you don't just kind of sit and dwell in those thoughts. This will help the cut off and let go of the strong emotions that are arising up in the mind. Over time, as you're doing breathing mindfulness meditation, generosity, and practicing all the other teachings, the mind will get better and better at internally cutting these things off and letting them go being able to restrain the mind and ultimately getting to a point where you've removed all the causes and conditions that cause these strong emotions to arise that by the time you get to enlightenment there is no strong feelings or emotions. You're experiencing peace, calm, serenity, contentedness with joy. The mind is focused, concentrated, having clarity of mind, deep memory. Your personal professional relationships are blossoming. You don't have the struggles and difficulties. You're not even in a bad mood anymore. And this comes with gradual training, gradual practice and gradual progress. So in the moment when these strong emotions are starting to arise, You would like to catch them as a bodily sensation. These are part of the four foundations of mindfulness and cutting it off and letting it go. And it requires an individual to really understand the entire path to enlightenment, to really help an individual move closer and closer to enlightenment. Oftentimes students, When they're kind of in the heat of the moment or they're having a lot of difficulties, they're looking for kind of a spot treatment here and there. And I understand that because oftentimes people just find out about these classes or this path when they're experiencing a real struggle. But when you're in those struggles, if you can harness that and turn it into dedication and diligence to get away from these painful feelings 100% for the rest of your life then when you're experiencing those painful feelings from whatever situation has occurred then you can move towards really developing a, a full entire life practice so that over time these feelings will gradually diminish and then eventually be completely eliminated from the mind. All right Tonka looks like you have another question if you'd like to go ahead and ask your question.
3: Yes. If we have time, I would ask one more, please.
1: Sure. You can ask 20 more if you like.
3: Thank you. This is uh, again related to my daily living Uh, at my workplace. uh, We have uh, actually a lot of sick days and uh, like at the end of the year, if we don't use them, uh, uh, they are gone and those are paydays like for example for my vacation time i have just eight days that are paid but i had 12 sick days and then because i don't call in sick uh, i just called a few times this year and i still have i believe eight sick days uh, that are paid but they're gonna be gone by the by the end of the year so Uh, Generally, people call in sick even when they they are not very sick and then it causes a lot of disturbance at work and we are short and so I really uh, don't like calling in sick if I'm not very, very, very sick and a friend of mine was telling me that um, i'm kind of stupid because i'm not using what i'm entitled to because these eight days will be wasted and she said that i need to look into it as that's for wellness i need to take some time off to recharge to take care of myself but then i know that's not what they mean by sick days So I don't want to lie, I just can't, uh, you know, and I don't want to. So is there any way to get around this? Like what would be a way to look at this? Because by the end of of this month, I'm going to lose those eight paydays. And I don't want to lie that I'm sick if I'm not sick. But it feels like uh, they they are... uh, it, it just doesn't seem to be fair if you are showing uh, for work. If you are doing the right thing, you are almost penalized for that.
1: Yeah, I understand this because, you know, I, I worked in Western culture for like quite a bit. I didn't come to Thailand until I was 40 years old. So I worked in corporations and understand how this kind of thing works. The first thing I would share is if you have a friend that's calling you stupid, I would consider whether or not this is a real friend or not. This is not usually the best way to re- talk to friends. So that's something to consider. But in terms of like your time off and in, in these kinds of things, you know, in the Western world, you guys get very few days off, at least in North America, as far as I know. I think Europe is, is very different. Here in Thailand, there's like 17 buddhist holidays that are public holidays and like everybody's off for those just off the bat you get those 17 days off and then you also have time off for vacation and holidays and things like that so the western world in north america tends to work a tremendous amount and because of that there's a lot of stress there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of difficult relationships where people don't get much time to spend with the people that are closest to them I would encourage anybody who's living in an environment where they're needing to show up to work and they do have vacation time and sick time and stuff like this to take as much of that as you can, because that's going to ultimately help you be more healthy and really enjoy life in a more fulfilling way, because just having A week off or two weeks off a year which is typically what i see in american and canadian companies this is such a short period of time and if you aren't sick now you will be sick later because the short amount of time to get off work is very short so if i was you rather than think about it as sick time i would just think about it as time to recuperate time to be well because you might not call and say you know i'm sick But you might call and say, you know, I'm not feeling so well, and I'm going to be taking some time off. Or if you send in an email or something, because sick means that you know you're probably coughing you have a fever you know those are the kind of things that you probably think of when you're sick and i know you're a really tough woman we've had a number of private conversations you're you're a pretty tough woman it probably would take a lot for you to to get sick i would think of it as rest and relaxation and saying i'm not feeling well it means that hey i would just like to stay home and recuperate and rest and relax and that's going to make you that much better when you go to work so the company has already budgeted for this as part of their salary and what they're paying you for. So if you use it, you're not stealing anything, right? You're not stealing from the company. They've already budgeted for it or else they would have given it to you. And you don't have to say I'm sick so that you don't lie. You can just say I'm not feeling well, which means, hey, I would like to rest and recuperate and I'd like to get more energy. So you can use those kinds of time without being, you know, quote unquote sick the way that you might think with a cough and fever and all those kinds of things. And it's just a matter of the way that you call in or you send an email or a text message that you're not saying that, you know, you're not explicitly saying that I have a fever, I have the flu, when you really don't. You're just saying, hey, I'm not feeling well, which they can interpret that however they would like to interpret it. The way that you're describing it perhaps is, hey, I would like to rest and relax at home and recuperate so not feeling well can mean all of those kinds of things therefore you're not lying and you're not stealing any kind of money because the company is already budgeted for it
3: but probably they would ask me for more details if i say i'm not feeling well oh, okay what's going on you know what are the symptoms that i can see my team leader uh, asking because everybody is concerned about anything being contagious you know in retirement home so she may ask okay what are the symptoms you know so uh, i feel like uh, i would have to come up with uh, something
1: yeah. It, I mean, if you're totally healthy and there's just absolutely nothing there, it's probably not a wise idea to take off time. But if you're feeling like a little bit of stress or if you're feeling overwhelmed, like you're feeling a bit tired, those kinds of things, you could talk about that. You could say, you know, I'm feeling a bit tired. I feeling like I don't have as much energy that I, I need to have. And I need to take a personal wellness day. This is a great phrase, right? A personal wellness day. And this is going to be ideal for you. So it's something that you need to consider, you know, because the other piece that you said is that if you call in sick, because normally that's like the day of, right? Or the day before. And it usually throws a work environment into kind of chaos because they're not comfortable with the impermanence. They haven't staffed for that. But that's their decision. That's the decisions that they've made. Here in Thailand if you came here, like companies are way overstaffed. Like you, when I go to like what you guys would call Lowe's or Home Depot, the, the equivalent of that here, there's like two or three people on each aisle, like employees. Like as soon as you walk on the aisle, it's like you've got two or three employees right there to help you. And every single store is, is staffed like this. And then if one or two or three or five people call out sick, no big deal. There's plenty of people around. They've adjusted their whole economy this way so that People are paid a reasonable salary. People are well taken care of, not only the employees, but the customers as well. So, in places like North America, the expenses are so high. There's a lot of craving to make more and more and more and more money. So, people are oftentimes understaffed. It's really hard for people to acquire the money that they need to meet the expenses that they're needing to meet in these kinds of things. So, if you decide to call and this is what you need as a personal, wellness day and your company ends up going into a tailspin because you're away for one day, that's their decisions. That's their attachments. That's their cravings. That's their lack of planning, their lack of budgeting to staff their work environment properly. So you don't need to feel guilty or shameful for anything like that that's occurring. Okay, that helps so
3: much. Thank mm-hmm. you very much.
1: Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Okay, I'm going to see if we have any more questions here in any of our platforms. Okay, I'm not seeing any other questions anywhere. So I'll just thank all of you guys for joining for meditation and thank you for your determination and dedication and diligence to learning and practicing the teachings of the Buddha. Anytime a student is learning and practicing the teachings, I really admire people who decide that they're willing to do this hard work in order to learn and practice to get to this enlightened mental state while the teachings of the buddha are not easy you know getting to enlightenment is not easy but it's also not tough it's also not difficult either but by learning and practicing the teachings slowly but surely you can ensure that life is not tough that life's not supposed to be so difficult but because of the lack of wisdom in the mind Oftentimes, people find life to be very difficult. But by the time you cultivate the wisdom and you train your mind, life is not difficult at all. It's really straightforward and really seamless. It's really easy and straightforward. But on the way to enlightenment, there can be various struggles. And that's where these classes come in. That's the books, the audiobooks, the retreats, the courses, the personal guidance, all the help that you need. Just remember that I'm always here to support you on the path to enlightenment as you choose to reach out and seek guidance. So on Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 15, which is titled True Love, Love Without Attachment. As I mentioned at the beginning of class, that's where you're going to learn how to help your relationships really blossom. If you find that you're struggling in relationships with your life partner or your parents or your children, co-workers, siblings, friends, family, this is such an important topic to understand is how to cultivate true love and love without attachment. Oftentimes people think that what they're describing as love is actually love, but it's actually craving, desire, attachment. I'm gonna explain this to you on Sunday. And then next Wednesday, I'm going to do guided loving kindness meditation with you. So you're always welcome to join that as well. And those classes are taught at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Thai time. So I'm either live streaming from the temple or live streaming from here at home. And you can either attend any of those classes live or watch the recordings on Facebook, YouTube, or on the podcast. So thank you all for joining. Thank you for your questions. Perhaps we'll see you guys in a future class. Have a very wonderful and lovely rest of your day. Sawadika.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com.